He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Thanks, Carl. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you speak to us in your word and that your spirit makes those words powerful and effective in our lives. And Lord, we pray this morning, most of all, that the spirit will work in our hearts a deep trust and reliance on you, a confidence in you that we might be able to to rejoice in your goodness to us uh, and that we might be able to trust you for all that we face both now and in the future. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I feel like this morning is a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, I, I feel that I should have called the sermon The Dark Night Rises. Uh, I didn't... I did, I, did, I wasn't actually clever enough to realise the connection until, <laughs> until halfway through. I, I think to myself, hang on, there's something familiar about this. The dark night lifted. It's kind of, it sounds like something. Uh, but this sermon is not about Batman, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, probably. Um, it's about the things that we've been thinking about over the last few weeks, which is the dark nights of the soul uh, that we experience from time to time in the Christian life. Uh, the times of sadness and distress... That we face, and we've thought a lot over the last few weeks uh, about that, and and we've thought about how we face those times in the light of the gospel and in the light of the good news of what God has done for us uh, in Jesus. But after six, maybe 
slightly depressing weeks, I thought it would be helpful to kind of finish with something a little bit more upbeat. Uh, It's not as upbeat as I had anticipated, maybe, but uh, it hopefully will be a little bit more upbeat anyway, Uh, because I think that life is not always dark, is it? Uh, Life is not always depressing and life is not always sad, and it's good for us to learn how to deal with sadness and good for us to learn how to deal with difficulty, but... Sometimes life is good, sometimes it's enjoyable, sometimes uh, we're, we're not cast down. Psalm 91 is not really a psalm that you would call a psalm of exuberant joy, it's really a psalm of quiet repose. Now that's not the kind of language that we use much these days, I suppose, but it captures, I think, very well what this psalm is about. It's a psalm of someone who's quietly resting in God. Uh, It's a a psalm of someone who's quietly resting in the love of God. They're not over the top with joy. Uh, There's a time for that. There's a time to be over the top with joy. But neither of these people in the depths of despair, despair. they're just trusting God uh, and trusting in God's goodness and enjoying God. And that's important, I think, because... It seems to me that there are two ways that we can be delivered from dark nights of the soul. The first way that we can be delivered from dark nights of the soul is that whatever's causing that dark night is actually taken away. We're delivered from it. We're rescued from it. And that takes away uh, the darkness. But the other, I think, more frequent way that we're delivered from dark nights of the soul is that we're given a greater trust and a greater confidence uh, in God. On the other side of the dark night of the soul often is not rescue, but trust. A trust which becomes the context for joy, a trust which helps us to face the new challenges that we uh, come up against and the new difficulties that uh, we encounter without being utterly cast down a trust which helps us to weather the storms of life. Psalm 91 is a psalm of trust and confidence in God. It is, in fact, the psalm of someone who is confident in God and who wants to share that confidence with others, who's celebrating that confidence and telling others about it. And so what I want to do this morning is to work through some of the images of this psalm and and I hope that as we do that, it will stir our hearts up to, uh, to trust God and to have confidence in him. So the first image that the psalm uses is that of rest and security. Verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What's it like to live near God? Well, this psalm says it's a place of rest. We rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The image is of someone resting and sheltering from the scorching heat of day. Maybe it's someone who's come out from under the sun and who's sitting under the shade of, a, of an enormous tree. I remember once going to the Sydney Test Match back when I uh, lived in Sydney uh, and we, we got the cheap tickets. We turned up on the day at the gate and we got tickets for the concourse and it was in the middle of January obviously and it was just so hot sitting out in the sun. We are in the sun all day from 10 o'clock or whatever to 6 o'clock at night and it was unrelenting. It was so hot, I remember they handed out those four, you know, four and six cardboard things, you know, that you're supposed to hold up, and I was desperately trying to shelter uh, with this tiny piece of cardboard in the sun, Uh, and we were all just so burned by the end of the day. 
And sometimes I think life is like that. It's like sitting on the concourse at the Sydney cricket ground. It's scorching, it's burning, it's hot, it's relentless, and we just want to get out of the sun. We want to find shelter, we want to find shade. And what this psalm is saying is, is that God is that shelter, God is that shade. He provides the shade that we need, the rest that we need uh, from the scorching heat of the sun. It's a wonderful image, I think, because it reminds us that it does no good for us to stand in the sun and to say to ourselves, well, I know that there's shelter over there, I know that over there near God there's shelter, while we're just still standing out in the sun. No, what we have to do is to run over to God and to embrace God and to, and to, and to bring ourselves under the shelter and the, and the protection uh, and the provision that God gives to us. The shade comes to us as we live close to God, as we spend our lives drawing near to God through Jesus Christ. And I think there are many of us who who have done that and who have experienced that rest and that refreshment, that deep, deep rest and deep refreshment that comes in the shadow of God's arms. Many of us uh, here have been in the swelvering heat of the of life and have drawn near to God and, who, and know the peace and the contentment and the satisfaction that comes from that. They know the coolness, the, 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 the pleasantness of living close to God. Many of us have felt harried and exhausted by life and by sin and by the sadness of life. And yet, we're rested now because we live lives close to God and close to the loving protection of God. To trust in God is deeply, deeply, deeply restful, safe and satisfying. What is it like? It's like escaping from the heat of the day under the shade of a great tree. That's what it's like to trust in God. But God is not just a place of shade, but a place of security. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I guess living under a tree doesn't seem that safe. You know, people can attack you from the sides. It's safe from the sun, but it's not safe from the sides. And so the the psalmist says, well, God's not just uh, like living in the shade, under the shade of a tree. No, God is also a place of security uh, and reinforcement. He's a refuge, a fortress, I think myself, of a medieval castle surrounded by a moat or something like that, uh, made out of this impenetrable stone. But a great example from the kind of region where this psalm was written is uh, the fortress of Masada in in Israel that Herod the Great built in about 30 BC. Uh, I've got a couple of pictures for it. It's just, it's fascinating to look at. Uh, So this is, that on top of that is, is the fortress of Masada. So you can see it's, it's, it's pretty high up, and it's pretty kind of impenetrable kind of place. Uh, but as impenetrable as it looks, actually, the Romans uh, actually besieged it. I don't know if anyone knows. And they built, they built a ramp. Do you want to play the next one, Cameron? So you can just see off the edge, on the right-hand side, there's a ramp going up. They built a ramp from down below to get into the city. It's incredible. Uh, and when they got in, actually, everyone had committed suicide. But uh, so not a great example of a fortress. But <laughs> but the point is the point is that God is like a fortress in the sense that He's high and lifted up. 
but he's not like Masadi. See, Herod thought, well, here we go, here's this great place in the middle of nowhere, no one will ever get up there. Uh, but they did, actually. God is, is like Masadi, he's high and lifted up, but actually he's better than that, because God is so high up, so impenetrable, so far from the reach of those who, who might come against us, that actually we're completely safe. Nothing ever happens that is outside God's control. He is absolutely safe. He's safe in a way that nothing else is safe. Uh, Living near God is like living in Masada. It's like living in that high fortress untouched by the storms below. Uh, It's like living in a refuge where no one can touch you. Uh, But it's so much safer than anything else that we can find. And the most wonderful thing about uh, the, the safety and security that we can find in God is that we can find it in God no matter where we are. That is, we don't need to flee to the, to the church building when something goes wrong. We don't need to kind of, all in the middle of the week, come running here to the church in order to find safety and security. We don't need to go to a special place. No, actually, we just need to run to God and to find safety and security in living near God through Jesus Christ. It's so powerful to be able to say what the writer of this psalm says, I trust God. To be able to say, God is my refuge and fortress. To be able to say, God is a wall of protection around me and no one can get through that, no one can penetrate that. To be able to say, God is my place of rest. What can anyone do to me? so powerful to be able to say those words and to know the truth of those words and to rest in those words. Of course, being near God doesn't stop the sun beating down. Uh, It doesn't stop the war going on around outside the castle. But it does keep us safe within. And it allows us to find the rest that we need amidst the uncertainties and the vicissitudes of life. Uh, I hope Leslie won't mind me saying, but it was so encouraging to catch up with her uh, the other week uh, and to discover her peace and rest in God amidst the trials and the uncertainties that she's facing uh, with a cancer diagnosis. It's not that the danger has disappeared, but it's that even in the midst of the danger, there's trust and hope and peace and rest and security in God. Uh, as Lizzie said, in a way it doesn't make sense. It makes sense in terms of what we know about God, absolutely. But from a worldly perspective, it doesn't make sense, does it? The, the, the world is going to pot around us and yet, and yet God protects us. Leslie shouldn't be at peace, but she is. What a great testimony to, to the provision of God. And so many of us know that truth as well. We shouldn't be at rest, but we are. We shouldn't have peace, but we do. To live near God is so safe. What's it like? It's like living in a high and impenetrable fortress. The next image uh, or set of images is in verses 3 to 8. The initial image is of a bird being protected from a bird catcher's net. A fowler is a bird catcher. Uh, Verse 3 says, Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. 
And then I love the next bit in verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Our protection comes in the form of a God who's pictured here as this enormous bird who wraps his feathers around us, who wraps his wings around us and protects us. You might think of those words that Jesus spoke as he looked out over Jerusalem, uh, how he said, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched a bird gathering its, its babies up under its wings. I hadn't, so I did what every responsible person does in our age. I googled it and I watched it on YouTube and I was going to show some videos, but uh, I thought the better of it. I spent this whole week just watching bird videos. Uh, <laughs> made a happy break from cats. But, um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a remarkable thing to see, actually. There was, this one, there was this one video of this hen who was just enormously fat. She was just, she was just huge, just all, all feathers, right? And she basically sat down on top of her chicks. Like about, and about seven or eight of them just kind of disappeared in this one... Uh, one it, was, it was like the TARDIS. It was they, bigger on the inside than on the outside. But where do they all go? But it's, you see, it's such, a, it's such a wonderful picture of the loving embrace of God. Uh, it's such a tender image of, of, of God coming uh, alongside us and, and gathering us up and embracing us and protecting us. We, we're hidden underneath the protection of God. You see, living under a tree and, and, and being in a, a high impenetrable fortress are wonderful images, aren't they? But they're so impersonal. But here God gives us a picture of his tender care, his tender protection, his tender love. God is a God who stands with his arms open wide to embrace us and to, and to gather us in, to shepherd us in. And to know that, to know that we're embraced by God, to know that we're loved by God, makes life so doable, I think. It makes it possible to face the challenges of every day, knowing that God's arms in Jesus are wrapped around us. It makes it so much easier to get out of bed in the morning, and it makes it so much easier to lie down at night and sleep, knowing that, we're, uh, knowing that wherever we go, God is with us and, and God's arms are wrapped around us. God goes with us hand in hand. It makes it so much easier to work hard and then to rest because we know that whatever it is that we do, God is there. He's, he's helping us along the way. It makes it so much easier to fight sin and to run after the righteousness of Christ because we know that we're doing it for a God who, who, who loves us very, very deeply. And we'll throw off sin because it risks disrupting that warm embrace of God. It's, it's our worst fear is to, is to lose the closeness of God. And we'll pursue the holiness in Christ because what that means actually is, is, is throwing ourselves more deeply into the loving embrace of God. It makes it so much easier to confess our sins against God, to be honest with God, and to trust that God will forgive us because we're confessing our sins to a God who's already, who already has us in his arms, 
It's not that we're far off from God and we're hoping that God will bring us near. But if, if we're in Christ, we're already close to God. He already has his arms wrapped around us. We don't have to worry about being honest with God because God already loves us so very, very much in Jesus Christ. Life is so much easier when God has his arms around us and when we know and trust that he has his arms around us. But in the second half of verse 4, that image shifts from birds to shields and arrows. His faithfulness, verse 4 says, will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. God's embrace is not just a loving embrace or a protective embrace. God's embrace is an embrace that is there all the time. It's there uh, in the daytime. He's the shield who protects us when the arrows fly in the day, and he's a fortress that protects us from being attacked at night. You can imagine uh, back in the day when the psalm was written, if you're a shepherd or a traveller or a soldier and you had to camp outside at night under the stars or you, you had a tent there that you, that you uh, were, were dwelling in, with all dangerous animals around or enemies stalking around trying to attack you, it would be quite a threatening thing, wouldn't it, to, 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 to stop at the end of the day and to go, well, I'm just going to go to sleep. Maybe I'll get ravaged by a lion or killed by the enemy. Uh, it, it's quite a threatening idea, isn't it? But you can't stay awake all night hoping that you'll be able to defend yourself uh, against whatever troubles might come. If the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, then that freedom and safety is beyond our grasp because eternal vigilance is beyond our power. And yet I think so often we live uh, as though eternal vigilance was within our power. and that we can protect ourselves. We say to ourselves, if I just pay attention, if I just do enough research, if I just have the right insurance, if I just make the right decisions, if I just eat all the right foods, if I just keep exercising exercising and stay healthy, if I just keep up with all the latest advice, if I just make sure that I get my annual checkup." If I just stay awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'll, I'll be okay. It's so exhausting to live like that. And yet I think the reality is that many of us do. We, we live as though it's our vigilance that protects us and not God's. Yeah, there's a place, isn't there, for us to be vigilant about things, just to be cautious and, and, and careful. But at the end of the day, we have to say, I can't be vigilant all the time. I can't do it. It's impossible. It's beyond me. But this psalm says we don't need to do it because God is there. God is there being vigilant. We can't be up to date with everything. We can't pay attention to everything. We can't control every aspect of our lives. But God can. And God is doing those things. We don't need to be eternally exhausted because if we're living near to Jesus, God watches over us day and night. I remember once uh, when I used to work as an engineer, there was a pedestrian crossing uh, just from the, park, the car park to, to the building. And so you just walk up the footpath every day 
and, and uh, habitually, you know, you cross the crossing. And one day, as I often am, I was deep in thought, uh, looking at the ground, as I also often am, uh, and I just stepped down onto the road and without paying attention, without thinking, and this car just went... Whew. One or two more steps, and that car would have just completely run into me. I thought, wow, God, God must be watching over me. In fact, I'd just broken step just before that. I thought, wow, God must be woke, watching over me. But of course, actually, even if I had have been hit by the car, God would have been watching over me, wouldn't he? <laughs> God would have been working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I'm sure as you reflect uh, on your past, there are those times like that that you can remember where, where you knew the wonderful love and protection and care of God and they are great tokens of God's mercy and kindness. The psalmist says we can rest in God because he's so trustworthy, he's so good, he's so powerful, he's so kind, but also because his presence with us is not temporary but permanent. It's always there. Then in verse 7, we're reminded that whatever happens, it only happens at a distance. Uh, verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. Here's the crazy juxtaposition. People right beside us are falling down, but it's still not near us. Again, it's like something from Doctor Who. It's like a kind of a tear in the space-time continuum or something like that. The people are right beside us, they're falling, but actually it still seems kind of strangely far away. It's that where uh, it, it, it's not that calamity doesn't come upon us, right? It's not that calamity doesn't come right up beside us, but it's that even when it is right there, it still seems distant. It's that we're so carefully and lovingly protected by God that even when tragedy strikes close to home, in a strange way, it can still feel as though we're untouched by it. It's like seeing things happening at a distance. It's like being in the wall of the city and looking over at the battle going on outside. It's like squinting to see the storm clouds coming far off. I think you see that strange juxtaposition in Christian funerals. Disaster has struck, and yet in another way, disaster still seems kind of far off. Because we know that death isn't the end. We know that if someone is in Christ, they go on living. They've, they've gone to be with Christ and one day Christ will raise them from the dead. And so Christian funerals are often this strange mix of sorrow and joy. Of disaster and hope. Disaster is right there beside us, but in another way it seems so far away. We're so carefully and lovingly protected by God that even though calamity comes close, 
we still only see it at a distance. The next encouragement is maybe the one we find the strangest, verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. God sends his angels, the psalmist says, to protect us. It's not something that we think about probably very much. And it's certainly true that some people make that, uh, make angels kind of be a bigger doctrine than uh, it really is. But there's no getting away from the fact that angels are a biblical idea. They're, as the writer of Hebrews says, God's ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Uh, We shouldn't think that there's one kind of guardian angel per person. This psalm says there's an entire angel, an entire army of angels uh, working for the good of God's people. The Bible gives us very little detail on how that works. It's just content to let us know that it does work, that God uses his messengers for the good of his people. The words of protection here shouldn't be taken literally or absolutely, so we shouldn't believe that no Christian will ever be bitten by a snake. Satan distorted these words when he applied them absolutely to Jesus. He encouraged Jesus to throw himself off a high tower and to trust that his foot wouldn't hit the ground because the angels of God will come and uh, protect him. No, the point is not uh, that, that that we'll never be bitten by a snake. The point is that every moment of our lives, God is watching over us and protecting us and guiding us. And nothing ever happens without his will or purpose. It's a great encouragement, I think, to know that nothing happens to us which is outside God's control. Nothing that you face this week will be outside God's control. Nothing that you face in the next year will be outside God's control. What a wonderful encouragement it is to know that we're never alone. To know that not only is God with us at every moment of the day, but actually there's an entire army of angels that God is using for our good, to serve us, to minister to us. I love that story of Elijah, you might know it, uh, where Elijah and his servant are in the city besieged by the Arameans, and Elijah's servant is kind of a bit panicky. That'd be me, I'd be the panicky one. Uh, and, and Elijah says to his servant, he says, don't worry, it looks like they outnumber us heaps, but there's more actually with us than on the other side, don't worry. And the servant kind of looks at Elijah and he's going, what's this, this guy kind of gone a bit nuts? Is, is the old man uh, a bit crazy? Because it sure looks like there's more of them than, than there's more of us. And Elijah prays that God would open his servant's eyes and God does. And he, the servant looks and there's, there's this entire army of angels there uh, battling for God's people, protecting God's people. I think like Elijah's servant, we so easily miss the ministering spirits, the ministering angels of God. Uh, we, We fail to see that God has an army who's working for our good, an army that stands beside us in whatever it is that we face. Through his messengers, God will keep us safe. Through his messengers, God will bear us up and stop us from slipping 
through his messengers, God will protect us from all manner of dangers. Well, finally, uh, the last encouragement to trust God is those beautiful words at the end of the psalm, in the last few verses. Uh, In those verses, God lets us in to hear his thoughts, his own reflections on how he will treat us, how he will deal with us. He says in verse 14, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It's so striking, I think, that in the last few verses of the psalm, it's not the writer who's speaking, but it's God who's speaking. As one person has written, the ultimate ground for our confidence is that the last word is spoken not by us, but to us. God, God comes to us and speaks, and we need to listen. God speaks and confirms his love for us. He confirms his commitment to protect us. He confirms his commitment to answer us. So, af- so often after many dark nights, after really dark and difficult times in the Christian life, the thing which breaks our gloom is God speaking to us in his word. The Holy Spirit takes those words and applies those words deeply to our hearts to lift the dark night by giving us confidence in God. It's, it's, it's often not that we're actually delivered from our circumstances, but we're delivered to a deeper and stronger trust in God. And so, uh, even though we're still in those circumstances, actually we can have joy. Our trust in God becomes a foundation by which we can achieve joy and, and appropriate the joy of knowing God and, and trusting that He will look after us. One day God will bring the final victory, What's difficult often in the meantime is trusting that promise and learning to live in the present in the light of the future. But in his word, God comes to us and speaks to us. He whispers in our ears and he shouts from the rooftops his love for us in Jesus. Who does he love? The psalmist says he loves those who love him, who acknowledge him, who call upon him. He loves those who live near him, who live near Jesus and who cling to Jesus. It's those people that God protects uh, and reassures. Well, if that describes you, if you're a person who loves God, who acknowledges God, who calls on God, who lives near God, who trusts in Jesus, then please listen as God speaks uh, to you now through his word. What does God have to say to you? Well, God says to you, I will rescue you. He says, I am your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. I will keep you from all evil. I will keep your life, says the Lord. He says to you, I will answer you. He says, here I am. I will not leave you or forsake you. He says, I will be with you. When you walk through the waters, I will be there. The rivers will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the flames, you will not be burned. He says to you, I will be with you in trouble. He says to you, I will deliver you and honour you.
This psalm gives us so many reasons for confidence in God. It helps us to celebrate our confidence in God. And after many dark nights, it gives us hope and light. It reminds us that God is a place of rest and shade. Reminds us that God is a fortress high and lifted up. That he's like a hen embracing us in his wings. That he's a shield 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That he keeps every evil at a distance. That he protects us with an army of angels sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. He speaks to us and he encourages us and he promises us his love and his faithfulness. So many of us here, I think, know the love and faithfulness of God. And if you do, it's right that you celebrate that, that you rejoice in that, that you, that you praise God on account of that. But it's also right, I think, for us to do what the writer of this psalm does, and that is to encourage others to trust in God as well. If someone that you know is going through a dark night of the soul at the moment, then let me encourage you to do what the writer of this psalm does and to say to them, to keep reminding them of the faithfulness and the love of God. To keep reminding them of the reasons that we have for trusting God. That may not fix them like that. It won't be as though you speak words of trust in God and their lives will be turned around in a moment. It might, by God's grace. But more often it will be that over the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years, their trust in God will grow steadily deeper. And the words that you say to them will become more more and more the words that they begin to say to themselves. I will trust in God, my refuge and my fortress. But if you don't know God and you don't know the rest and security that comes from living close to God in Jesus, then let me invite you on God's behalf to draw near to him in Jesus, uh, to ask God to embrace you as he promises to do in this psalm, to ask God that he would shepherd you under his wings, to ask God that he would gather you up in his love, that he would forgive you and redeem you in Jesus Christ. Because it's only when we know God and we live near God that we're in a place of shade and rest and refreshment and protection and love. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can trust you. Thank you so much that it's good to trust you. That when we live lives of trust, we live lives that are fit and ready for praise and joy and delight. Lord, we know that when we don't trust you and the difficulties of life, things have become very hard. Uh, And Lord, we know that even when we do trust you, things can be hard. But please help us to grow every day in in our trust and our confidence in you so that those sadnesses and 
difficulties are warded off by our confidence and hope in who you are, by our trust in your character and your goodness. Help us to know the rest and the refreshment that comes from being safe in your arms. Help us to know that you're with us every moment of the day. Help us to look back on our lives and to see the ways that you've guided and protected us, to rejoice in them and to draw from them hope for the future. Help us to look back most of all on the cross of Jesus Christ, the Son whom you sent for our salvation. Help us to look back on that so that we might trust that whatever the difficulties that we face, that you are a God who loves us so immensely that you are willing to suffer in our place and for our good. Lord, for those of us who are struggling at the moment in dark and difficult times, in sadness and distress, Lord, we ask that you might show them tokens of your love. Help us to be an encouragement to them, to remind them of the hope that we have in Christ the confidence that we have in you. Lord, lift them out of their dark night and open their lips to praise you. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.